Welcome everyone to 20 and 20. This is the co-working edition. This is where we ask 20 questions in 20-ish minutes, probably go about 25, 30 minutes, Giuseppe. Um, the intention is to leave people feeling uplifted, informed, and inspired. I'm your host, Lisa Sky Haynes. Uh, in this particular edition of 2020, uh, 20 and 20, and during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, and of course, most importantly, the people who help us to pay our bills, our co-working members, of which Giuseppe and his team, Vero team, are members at Primary in Manhattan, Lower Manhattan with us. Thank you for choosing us. Um, together, we will weather this storm. There is no question there's been a storm, though, of course, for many business owners uh, as a result of this pandemic. So co-working as an industry has been around for over a decade or so as a coined term. Um, executive office space has been around 30, 40 years. Our industry, like many industries, has really been impacted by COVID-19. Uh, I do believe that co-working will ultimately thrive and large companies, small companies will want flexible office space terms, uh, but how we get there uh, remains to be seen. And so we are leaning into some of the people who are part of the community to hear more of your thoughts on this pandemic and the impact. And we'll talk about a few other things also. So welcome, Giuseppe Salomon, who's the co-founder of Vero Team, which formerly named Say Bookkeeping. It's a fast-growing accounting, bookkeeping, and consulting startup based in Miami, though, with an office here in New York, uh, working with businesses nationwide. How are you today, Giuseppe? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, you know, surviving the uh, the, the COVID storm and uh, laying low still, but hopefully getting out of here soon. In New Jersey up. right now. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you are going to go back down to Miami though. Yes. Yeah. I'm in Jersey city. I'm supposed to be going to Florida um, in July, but it doesn't look good down there. So maybe I'll, I'll skip that. Trip. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. <laughs> you have that least till the end of this year in, in, in the epicenter. Who knew? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple of little quick things about you, Giuseppe, before we get the interview started. You're the son to an entrepreneuring Italian immigrant. You're the second oldest of 43 grandchildren in your family, the eldest on your mother's side. You know, I know that you understand the value in setting an example of quality work, service and inspiration. Literally, it is a familial affair for you both personally in your family life. And, and that's the way you look at your business as well. Um, your background, you went to the University of South Florida. I'm a born and raised in West Palm Beach, so I always appreciate yep. anything that have anyone that comes out of South Florida. SoFla, <laughs> uh, so uh, you studied international studies. Uh, you went to the Southern uh, New Hampshire University, correct, and studied uh, accounting. You have a master's in accounting. You always worked in accounting jobs, and you launched Say Bookkeeping, your own firm, of which you were a CEO. 2017, and now you've rebranded that and become Vero Team in the last year, uh, and now are essentially co-CEOing with your your co-founder Karen. Mm -hmm. Is that her name? Helen. Helen. And what is Helen's last name? Kakoris. Helen Kakoris, and she's yeah. based down there in Miami. Yes. She's based down in Miami. Yeah, and she mm -hmm. um, she has a CPA as well. Great. So you're doing, um, I think, CFO type consulting. Right. As well as an work. And then hopefully within the next year, we'll be getting into tax. Great. Great. Well, so let's get to it. Um, you know, first yep. we're going to go right into the obvious and what's in everyone's face right now on top of the global pandemic. Obviously, there is a revolution happening in our country and there's a cry uh, that's echoing, as I said in my interview yesterday, in the fight against racism and um, protests that are happening, the cry for criminal justice reform. 
uh, the amplification of black and minority voices. It's louder than it's ever been before because we all have access via social media. You yourself are part of the LGBTQ plus community. First question is how are you doing and what do you think about everything that's happening in our country right now? I think, uh, you know, uh, I think it's, it's uh, inspiring that there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, out there making their voices heard and, um, you know, standing up for what they believe in. And I definitely support a lot of uh, what we're seeing out there. I think it's unfortunate that we're seeing, you know, some of the bad with mostly good. Um, and I, I definitely believe in what's going on. And I think that there's a lot of conversations that need to be had. Um, and hopefully what I'm definitely hoping for is to see that all of the efforts and all the protests and everything that's going on is actually going to translate into real action and that it's not just, you know, a fleeting moment where we see protests for a few weeks. Um, you know, remember when we saw um, Occupy Wall Street and there was protests outside primary for weeks and then it, I don't know where it went. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's great that there's all this energy right now. So I just would like to see, um, you know, it solidify into some real action. And, yeah. um, you know, member of the LGBTQ community, you know, I've been through different struggles in the past and, you know, in, you know, seeking out marriage equality rights and different things like that. And I was part of that fight out in California during Prop 8 because I lived out in San Francisco and, you know, I participated in, in that movement and it's a lot of work. So, you know, I get the people that are in the fight right now. I get their, the, you know, the struggle that they're in to actually make real meaningful change because it's in any civil rights movement, it's, it's a lot of work and it's very difficult to change, um, you know, people's thoughts and, you know, their, their, their mindset about the status quo and, 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 and all of that. So I'm, I'm definitely, you know, eager to see what comes out of it and, um, and I'll just continue to do what I can in my part. Yeah. Does it feel a little different to you? I mean, I've had a, a, a guest or two that have said that this feels like we're reaching a tipping point. And it feels it feels more powerful. Uh, yeah, than it's I definitely before. just think the sheer size of it and the the length of time that it's gone on for kind of proves out that um, it's a little bit different this time. Um, yeah. And you know, people are taking notice and saying things that you thought they would never say anything. And um, and I think that's great. Yeah, the stand the stand that everyone is is taking to be an advocate to amplify really and and we all now have our own platforms via social media and so we can become amplifiers literally exactly exactly yeah yeah it's wonderful um so and promising hopeful mm -hmm. uh, as a business owner uh what do you think that we can or should be doing as leaders in being part of the solution right now specifically as it relates to the, the the fight against racism, you know, and, and yeah. the, the diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, as uh, as a business owner, um, doing your part can mean, uh, you know, whatever you want it to mean. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely think that, like, you know, implementing, you know, inclusive policies and diversity in hiring and, you know, equal pay for equal work. All of those different policies are definitely really important and things that business owners should be looking at on a daily basis. And then, you know, just in terms of what Viral Team is doing and what I'm thinking of doing is, you know, looking for ways to support minority owned businesses and using our expertise and talents to support that community so that they can help, uh, you know, further themselves. So we're looking into, you know, different ways. We're kind of in the, the thought 
process right now and developing ideas for, you know, different grant programs or something like that that can support minority-owned businesses and show that we're there. And, uh, and, and, you know, everyone has to do their part in their own way, right? Because everyone brings a different perspective and different talents. And so, you know, one person might, you know, provide One person might provide, say that again. Some person, one person might provide, you know, financial services to a minority owned business as, you know, a grant program, like I was just talking about, or mm -hmm. someone might do something else that, uh, you know, involves their area of expertise. And so everybody just has to do what makes sense for them. Their part, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you had tremendous success when you launched, say, bookkeeping. You, uh, separate from not sleeping as your key to success, because I know yeah. um, since you have offices, I've dropped by and heard the murmurings of lack of sleep. <laughs> yes. How did you build your business to have over a hundred clients in the first year? Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely the first two years I would say were no life, um, you know, lots of, you know, stomach issues and, you know, Anxiety. This is some hashtag real real talk of real talk. Life. Like I mean, it was definitely like it wasn't it was not easy at all. I I would say that probably the the biggest um, the best thing that I had going for me that helped me get to where I was after the, that eighteen months with the clients um, were two things. One one was um, I was able to hire a staff that um, believed in my, in me, believed in my vision. Mm -hmm. um, and that I could trust. And because I had people that were surrounding me that really believed in what I was doing and were motivating me, um, and also that I could lean on when, you know, I was having a hard time, um, that really, really got me through. So like, you know, for example, um, Emma and um, on Arlen are like, you know, two of my first employees, but then also to Allie, she's my best friend. She's my VP of sales. Um, she did a lot of work for me in helping me to get clients and talking about how fantastic I was, which is what you really need. You need mm. an advocate out there talking about how great you are um, to other people who really believe in you, because then you'll get clients out of it. And that's what happened. Yes, that's key. And that's something, you know, the networking organization BNI that Ali and I both are a part of. And, right. and we would often say that it's one thing to stand up in front of a room of, of other business professionals and pitch your business and say, I'm so great. Vero team is wonderful. But when someone else stands up and says, Vero team, you know, always so responsive, affordable, on point, et cetera. Um, right. That really moves the needle for people to say, let's hire them. It does. I think to the, um, it, you know, once you got like the first couple of clients under your belt that really, um, you know, saw how valuable you were, they, it really kind of just snowballed from there because then everybody became my advocate. Um, I think to me, that was one of the reasons why I was so nervous and anxious during those first two years is because I wanted to do such a great job because especially when you're in a service-based business, you know, reputation is everything. So the minute that you screw up your reputation is the minute that, uh, you know, you don't have a business anymore. And so yeah. that's always been really important to me. And even after three years, you know, it continues to be important to me. I can't let even the small things slip through the cracks because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's devastating to me. And I take that, I take failure personally. Yeah, well, these these sayings exist for a reason. Reputation is everything. That's why business owners for decades, you know, before us have been saying this, so because it's true. So, um, well, congratulations. 
Um, what would you say has been your biggest challenge over the last three years? Uh, there's been so many. There's been so many challenges. I, What's I, the I, first I was, one that comes into your mind? <laughs> the first one, the, definitely the first one that comes to mind is um, knowing when was the right time to um, bring on additional support. I think mm -hmm. like, you know, I was growing and then it was always like, well, you grew enough where you needed someone, but you couldn't necessarily afford another full-time position. So it was mm -hmm. like you, you were constantly play, playing catch up. And then guess yeah. what? You know, you're the one that has to pick up that gap, right? Where there's like that lag. And, um, and it was like never ending for the first two years um, yeah. that, you know, I would get to a point where it was like, I was at my breaking point. I needed to hire someone. I would hire them, but I didn't have enough work for them to be a full-time position, but I needed to hire them as that. Mm. And then, you know, constantly catching up. I would say that was probably the biggest thing. And then just the second thing would be um, finding the time to actually process out everything that I do. Because obviously you can't scale any business unless you're able to actually sit down and document what are your processes and put systems in place that are going to yeah. support growth. And yeah. finding the time to do that is really difficult when you're first starting out. And that was definitely my problem. I think we're definitely at a point now where I can say that we have those processes in place and things are a lot more streamlined. Obviously, there's always room for, you know, improvement, but uh, definitely a lot better than it was in the first year. Now you can take personal time and people know what the heck to do while you're away, which is, is key to the scaling also. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, you work with a hundred plus business owners. How many clients do you have right now? <clears throat> I don't know. Somewhere between a hundred and two hundred. Okay. <laughs> that range. Somewhere. We're adding so I think every day, yeah. so. between yeah. one hundred and fifty and two hundred. Um, yeah. Let us learn from their mistakes, right? Isn't it the best you can actually learn from other people's mistakes? What's the biggest mistake that you see business owners make as it relates to their finances and managing them? So. I wouldn't say that it would be so much the clients that are, you know, under our management um, relate, relating to their finances, um, but more so the people that come to us. Um, there, are, there are the people that come to us and they have literally no grasp of anything going on within their finances whatsoever. Um, but then there are certain ones that even after they become clients, they're not as involved as they should be. You know, I think that the biggest mistakes that business owners make is they, they hand it off to someone else and then they, they, they don't stay as involved as they should be. Now, I'm not saying that you need to like nitpick and be involved every five seconds on what's going on in your books, but you should at least look at them like every yeah. three months and see what's going on. This is what I was going to ask you. Like, what, what do you think is the bare minimum? Is it you and I check in once a month, as you know, yeah. so, and, and that has made me feel incredibly well placed finger on the pulse of what's going on financially with our business. Right. And it's been and a pleasure month, working with you. For, for larger, <laughs> yeah, for larger businesses and for businesses that have, you know, more complexity to them um, and they have a lot going on in general, um, a monthly is definitely like, you know, the best thing that you can do. But then yeah. when, you get, when you get into like, you know, businesses that are smaller, they don't have as much volume, um, you know, quarterly is fine. Um, yeah. And some businesses, if you're a solopreneur, it might be semi-annually. Um, but, you know, definitely need to check in, you know, on some sort of regular basis. Yeah, monthly, monthly or bi-monthly, something along those lines. So um, your mission statement declares, and I saw this in a few different places, Vero team is, quote, leading the future of accounting through tech-savvy thinkers who solve financial puzzles. Elaborate right. on this statement for us. 
Sure. So, you know, my vision for the company has always been to pair bookkeeping and accounting experts with technology. Um, but I want those bookkeeping and accounting experts to also be technology experts. So mm -hmm. it's the marriage of technology with bookkeeping and accounting. The future of the accounting industry is moving into, you know, artificial intelligence technology that's going to help you and support, you know, bookkeeping. So then how can we take that to the next level? There's all these apps out there that integrate with all these different accounting systems, but like, what is the right technology for your business? Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to build is a team that is able to sit down with you, you explain what your business is and what your end goals are, and then we can present to you a tech stack that's going to work for your business and help you get, you know, realize those goals. Um, and then, you know, maximizing the use of that technology because half the time, you know, there are all these apps out there that do all these amazing things and people use like a small percentage of what they're actually capable of. So, yeah. you know, getting the maximum use because you're paying for it, right? Yeah. So She's freezing. I'll do that do not disturb button is not working on my phone. What the heck? Technology. We can't live with it. We can't. Speaking of technology, someone needs to fix my iPhone. <laughs> um, awesome. So thank you for sharing that explanation. Um, talk to us about the PPP funding. Yeah, I know everybody has been talking about PPP, but TPP, additional government or SBA funding, is there any more money out there for small businesses right now? How can our business owners that are listening uh, learn more about what could best serve them right now? So, yes, there's still money out there. Um, the PPP has not closed through every financial institution out there, um, depending on who you bank with. Um, your bank may still be accepting PPP applications. Um, there are other third-party, you know, fintech companies that are, there are other fintech companies that are unsecured lenders that are also doing PPP funding as well still. So there's still time to apply if you didn't, if you missed the first or second round. What does that mean though? Because I, now you're ding, giving me a, a hit here where I'm realizing I've definitely received a lot of unsolicited emails saying, are you still applying for funding? And mm -hmm. our financial platform can help you to secure that. Are yep. there any things that we as business owners need to be worried about with those outreaches? When you say unsecured platforms, who no, should be using those platforms or not? Just, it's an unsecured line of credit. So by that, I mean like Cabbage, for example, um, is doing the PPP program. Um, they're not a traditional lender. Um, mm -hmm. They're, you know, and then uh, lenders like Lendio, um, QuickBooks itself, QuickBooks Capital is doing the PPP lending at this point as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I mean by that. Um, but so who, and who should be using that versus, I'm guessing, the funding that's coming directly from the government is what you're saying. Well, I mean, the, the, you, or can't via the bank. you can't get the government money through the PPP unless you go through a financial institution. The, those three that I just mentioned are financial institutions. They're just right, not just a traditional lender. Unsecured, yeah, got it. And you can go through them. Um, it really just depends on your business. Typically, uh, the type of people that are going to go to them now are people that couldn't secure PPP through their bank. So, for example, mm -hmm. if you bank with Chase, you missed the window. Chase is no longer accepting applications. Well, you still want to apply for PPP. You're eligible. Okay, well, now I'm going to go to Cabbage. Fine. Got it that kind of a thing. Um, I mean, the, there's other money that's out there right now. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the Idle Advance, which was something that was open um, initially, where you yep. receive a $10,000 advance um, on a loan that you can apply for directly through the SBA. 
Um, mm -hmm. That had closed and it closed for, you know, a couple months where it was only open to agricultural businesses. And just two days ago, it opened again um, for non-agricultural businesses and you can now reapply. So if you miss that window, there's another opportunity to apply for that loan. Yeah. And primary, the so primary actually received that $10,000. Uh, they received the $10,000 uh, yeah. and you have the option of, of drawing down on a loan as well. If you'd like. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So why, let's talk about co-working a little bit here. Why did you decide to set up in a co-working space and why primary versus a WeWork? All right. So um, we actually have the both worlds because mm -hmm. in Miami, we were in WeWork and in New York, we chose primary. And um, before we were in WeWork in Miami, we were in a space called Bureau. Um, which is another co-working space, which is more similar and in line with the feel and the energy vibe of primary. Mm -hmm. um, we moved to WeWork simply for the reason of price and convenience and where it was located. That was really, uh, you know, why we did it. Um, why we chose co-working in general is because of the community that's there, um, the ability to connect with other small business owners and to be able to uh, you know, be in front of business owners all the time is how you get new clients, right? So it really just became a very important aspect of our sales strategy in general was to be in a co-working space. Now in New York and like picking primary, um, you know, I was actually invited there by one of my friends who's uh, an executive with healthcare.com, which is one of the, one of not another primary member. Um, and, uh, and I just really love the space. I love the, uh, you know, the health, um, you know, component to the space and, and that, you know, that's, in, that's available. Um, but also too, like the energy is just so different than any we work that I've ever stepped into. It's a beautiful space. Um, you know, it's, it's lots of fun to be in. We love the owner. Um, so, you know, and then you guys became our client and then it was like, well, now we're going to stay here forever. <laughs> no, so. <you> can't leave. <laughs> it's true though. And you know, I, big, big props, of course, to your, um, uh, VP of sales there, your, your bestie, Allie Fowler, who's on your team applauding right now in the comments, you know, she really hustles. She gets out there in front of people. She put business cards and flyers in places she wasn't supposed to for community roles. <laughs> she came to every networking luncheon. She was constantly in all of the available opportunities to introduce your business. And as a result, by the way, it paid off. I think you probably have how many five plus clients that oh, from no, primary. We have, we have more than that. We probably like have 10? About 10 to 15. At, wow. At, Just from coming to a, a co-working space that has 160 offices with about, you know, a little over 100 companies or so. Wow. Amazing. Exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. Good for you. Um, so what are your thoughts on this work from home culture? Obviously, your team, like everybody, especially here in the epicenter of New York, and though you're based in Miami, or most of your people are down there. Uh, what do you think the work from home culture impact will have on employees um, and, and is Vero implementing work from home as, as an option? Yeah, so um, definitely uh, it was something that we were considering for a long time and this kind of just accelerated, uh, you know, that, that idea. Um, I don't ever think that we'll completely vacate co-working spaces altogether. I just think that we might be there in a more pared down way where it's more focused on being a sales office or, you know, a, a, a window into, you know, meeting with other business owners. Um, yeah. and, and, but I definitely think that the work from home culture, 
um, works with our business model. I mean, we're a virtual firm. We do everything online. And there's really no reason why we all have to sit in an office together. Aside from the fact that you, you have to make a little bit more of an extra effort in order to make sure that the team is working cohesively, that there's a connection, and that everyone's communicating. As long as you're doing that and you're figuring out ways to do that, like, for example, we have a team huddle every morning on Zoom. And, yeah. um, you know, we make sure to connect multiple points throughout the day. We have a policy in place where everyone has to connect on video because we think that, you know, things are lost in translation when you're just on the phone or, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, I love that. Um, so, but I think that, you know, long-term, I think it'll work. We, we've decided to completely vacate our, we work offices in Miami. Everybody's working from home and um, we'll, we'll reconsider going back to a, a space after the summer um, with primary we're staying and, you know, I'm going to continue to go in there. But um, with Miami, we took it as an opportunity. The other thing that's a benefit for us for working from home is that um, it expanded where we could look for talent which has always been a challenge for us. And I wasn't really sure if it was a Miami thing where it was like, mm -hmm. oh, like, you know, Miami's so limited in the type of talent that we can pull from here. Um, yeah. We were very fortunate in the staff that we did find in Miami, but um, mm -hmm. we're, you know, going through the hiring process now, of hiring additional staff, and we've been able to expand our search nationwide, which is, you know, and obviously there's more people available right now. So, you know, <laughs> it, makes it makes it a the little pool. Yeah, yeah, good for you. Good for you. As I said to my friend Giuseppe before uh, the interview started, I said, Oh, business is better than before the pandemic. And I crept in a little, Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. I mean, <laughs> bravo, bravo. Um, okay, last question before we go to the lightning round. What's the best thing to happen to you this year? The best thing to happen to me this year? Oh, Okay, the best thing to happen to me this year was that, um, in terms of business or just personally? It could be whatever is the best okay. thing to so happen to you this year. So the best thing that happened year. to me this year was definitely that I, I moved to New York full-time. And mm -hmm. I got to reunite with my fiancé, who was here full-time. So for, last, for those of you who don't know me, last year I was flying back and forth between New York and Miami every other week. And I wasn't seeing him for two weeks out of the month. And now I get to see him every day, which is great. And, um, and also Ricky. has kept him home because he's a hairstylist. So we are definitely yeah. spending lots of quality time together. <laughs> which is why Puppy said, I can't wait to come back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we ready for that lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, number one, rename the coronavirus. Um, I would call it... Uh, uh, Work, the work from home virus or the Zoom virus. <laughs> Zoom virus, that's a good one. What's yeah. the best advice you've ever gotten? Um, choose your friends wisely. Um, surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. Mm. Don't just keep people around that you've always been around, right? If you want to better yourself, then surround yourself by people who are better than you. Yeah, I love that. There's these sayings that you're a, you are a reflection of the five people you keep closest to you. You heard exactly. that saying? Yeah, I love it. Where are you turning for inspiration right now, people or places unrelated to you? So I'm reading this book called Fix This Next. Um, it's by uh, Michael something. I can't remember his last name. But he, um, it's called Fix This Next. And um, he wrote the book Profit First. Um, okay. And it's a very good read. And it has a lot of really great ideas for how to improve your business. Okay, Mike uh, Mikhail Mikhailowitz. Mikhailowitz, yeah. 
Yeah, fix this next. Make the vital change that will uh, level up your business. There we exactly. go. That's what it says. Okay, are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm an early bird, for sure. How, how early? <clears throat> it depends. I feel like as I get older, like that early gets a little bit later. But, um, you know, I would say probably 6, 6 a.m. or. Woo! Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Yeah. What time do you go to bed? Um, I go to bed probably about 10. Um, okay. Good for you. 11. Eight hours. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the night. See, that's the way you can get 100 clients in your first year of business. Get eight hours of sleep. All right. Yeah. yeah don't lie. 4.30 a.m. out of bed. <laughs> Uh, New York City or Miami? Um, okay, so I was born here um, in New Jersey, and, um, you know, it's always going to be home, but Miami. <laughs> Miami. What's your yeah. favorite word? My favorite word? Mm -hmm. um, oh, I have a good one. Um, stoop. Stoop? Like yeah, talk stoop? Like, like sitting on your stoop, like out yeah. in front of your house. The reason for that is, and this is an inside joke between me and Allie, is because Allie, um, when she she moved to New York from Miami, and she called me and was like, oh, I'm outside sitting on the stoop, right? I was like, that's not a real word. <laughs> you didn't think it, you didn't know it was a word? I had never heard of the word stoop before she said that. And it's so funny because I'm from here, and I've never You obviously were in New Jersey and not in New York City, right? Exactly. Exactly. You're in the, yeah, you're in the neighborhood. Hey, that's like me being from Florida. I probably didn't know the word before I lived here too. Um, if you could eat only one cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mm. Okay, so I'm Italian, but I would have to say um, Thai food, actually. What's your and favorite Thai, Thai dish? I like um, pad Thai, garlic fried rice, or um, I even like a papaya salad. Those are oh, I love favorite. the papaya salad, yes. Yeah. Okay, best TV, best TV show or movie that you've watched during quarantine? Um, okay, it's, I guess the best one that I've watched, the best one that I've watched, I don't know. Um, I watched the docuseries Dirty Money. That was really good. Um, what? What? Oh, <laughs> Ricky's Queer Eye. Queer Eye. Ricky's chiming in. And, um, and the other one that I've watched, which is like super embarrassing that I've watched it, is The Vampire Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been really good. It's just so, it's so bad, right? Like, you highly I'll recommend. It and I, at times I'll be really into it, and then at times I'll get really annoyed with it, like storm out of the room and getting so annoyed with like the show. Ricky's like, why are you watching that again? It's so dumb. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Because I deal with a lot of real world stuff. I need to take my mind into the alter universe of vampires. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Hottest topic during the time of Corona Giuseppe is toilet paper. Do you and Ricky pull over or under? Um, over. Definitely. Um, do, you I think do you change it if you find it else another I way? Found, I else? found the reason that we do over is because I found that when you do under, like there's been times when I've walked into the bathroom and all the toilet paper has been on the floor. Yeah, yeah, very disorderly. Not as, you're an accountant. You like order, precision. Yes. Uh, tw last question, 2020 or 2021? Oh, definitely 2021. This year sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for it to be over. I'm done with it. You're done. done. You're done. I'm done. This is an awesome interview, as a few people have said down in the comments here. Last thing I want you to mention, though, is that you are hiring. What are those three positions you're hiring for right um, now? We're hiring an accounts payable specialist. We are hiring a senior accountant, and we are hiring for a bookkeeper. So those three. And, awesome. And I, 
I'm sure all of your people who've been tuning in here can vouch for what a great team it is to work for. I can certainly give you a quick uh, accolade and say that you know, we had three, four, maybe even four bookkeepers before we hired you at Primary, and we've been with you 18 months. You've been extraordinary. You have us in the most orderly, uh, organized setup that we've been in since we launched the company four years ago. Thank you for all of your hard work. And I know that you offer different levels of membership, so to speak. And so right. you can handle the gamut and you can also just do light reconciliation each month. So please check out veroteam.co for more information on, on Giuseppe's company. I'm wishing you lots of continued abundant success as you've had you, in the Vero. time of Corona. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Love you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. See you at the office. See you at the office. Bye, everyone.